And this is Encounter with God here on Faith FM. And as we come to our Bible study section of the day, we have another clue for our quiz. So our number is 1-800-324-843. Get ready to call. The clues are getting easier. You can text us on 491 064-669 if you know the answer to this particular clue. Okay, so here it comes. Clue number four. I walked on water. Who was it that walked on water? That should be an easy clue for you. Um, we need to find out who that one is. Mon, were you uh, walking on water to get here just now? No, no. <laughs> just walking on Ground, Walking very on fast. ground? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize we were back on air. <laughs> That's okay. It it's all good. Very excited about my breakfast this morning. Yes, indeed. What, 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 what's so exciting about your breakfast? Well, this morning? It looks like got, you just got a glass of milk. Oh, no, you no, got fruit salad. I got you got fruit, fruit salad? Yeah, with golden kiwi. I'm so into golden kiwi. There you go. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Anyway, who walked on water? Give us a call, 1-800-324-843, if you know the answer, and you will have a um, a prize coming your way. Yes, indeed. Yes, and diddly diddly die. Do we know what that prize is yet? I haven't I haven't picked one out yet. Okay. Yeah, right. I've, been, I've been getting a bit of slack yep. um, with, with picking out the prizes ahead of time, but they're all amazing, fantastic, phenomenal prizes, so... Sure. Okay, so let's go to uh, where are we? We are in uh, um, okay, uh, twenty so million movement. Twenty million movement. Yes, and we're going to talk about Ruth today and mm-hmm. Naomi. But before we do, we have a couple of other verses to look at. John chapter one, verse forty through forty-two. We're going to talk about the importance of sharing the Bible, sharing the gospel message with family members. Wow, I was just busily turning to the book of Naomi, and then realised we have to, oh, I have to go to John. Yeah, okay, we'll go to the book of Naomi later. Yeah, yeah. I'd be interested to see you find that one. See, see, see. I was see trying how, to pull a fast. See how quickly, away. see how quickly we can get to the book of Naomi. <laughs> Do you know whereabouts in the Bible it is? Yeah, yes, yeah, it's uh, it's right after the book of Ruth. <laughs> no, I'm messing with you. There's no book of it's Naomi. It's just before the book of Hezekiah and just after uh, Second Opinions. Yeah. <laughs> uh huh. Yeah. yeah. That book of Second to, Opinions. To quote, that's a, that's to a, quote a, a Lawsonism. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's Lawson's favourite book, The Second Opinions. He's like, uh-huh. yeah, yeah, that one comes from Second Opinions. <laughs> Chapter. <laughs> Lawson will be on the radio tomorrow. He will. Time. He will. Yes, yes for a. You will be blessed. Yeah, for a You'll be glad I'm going on holidays. I like it when you're both here. Mine, you have not asked me all morning why I'm wearing a suit. I did actually. The first thing I said when I came in was suit. And then I was like, why? And then I think you didn't answer because you were distracted by something else. Oh. oh yeah, because you thought I said soaked. That's right. Because it was so, raining outside. Yeah. And I thought you'd like, it's not raining that hard. But I figured you just didn't want to say. Oh. I don't know. Are you going to a wedding? Are you going to a funeral? Funeral. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah. Yeah. Why did but you bring that up, dude? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I'm the I was just, I was just waiting rain. for you to ask me why I was wearing a suit. I'm kind of like, because... Because you so I wanted desperately to, I wanted wanted to, to tell everyone that you're having to, a tragic I, 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 day. No, I wanted, to, I, wanted to, I wanted to tell everyone that I wanted to look nice for them on radio this morning. Yeah, I see. <laughs> you wanted to lie. That's what you <laughs> wanted to do. No, nah, I've actually got a funeral later, so... Um, what is it? it is a snazzy suit, and I like the shirt in particular. I'm not so sure about that tie, though. Sorry, Lyle. Oh, okay. Well, that's too bad. I'm not into Paisley. Too bad. Should have been left in the seventies. Uh, it's come back. It doesn't. It didn't need and to. It is here to stay. Need to be left behind. I should have worn my leather tie. 
Yes. Okay, First John chapter, where are we? Oh, First John. First John. No, it's not First John. Gospel of John. Gospel okay, of John. Okay. Chapter 1. Yes. So John 1, not 1 John. Mm-hmm. Uh, verse 40 and 42, please. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of these men who heard what John said and then followed Jesus. Andrew went to find his brother Simon and told him, we have found the Messiah, which means Christ. You get the impression these guys were kind of close, eh? Yes. Uh, Peter is one of the more famous characters in the New Testament. He's mentioned um, more than any other apostle except for Paul. Okay. Um, followed by John, I believe. Mm-hmm. So Paul, Peter, John in that order. And so, yeah, very, very significant person in the New Testament. But uh, Andrew is the one who brought him to Christ. Oh, okay. We don't hear a lot about Andrew, do we? No, not at all. But whenever we do hear about Andrew, he's bringing someone to Christ. That's true, which is a great thing to be saying about someone. Yeah. I wish that was all that was to be said about me, to be honest. Everything that was ever written about Monica... She was bringing someone to Christ. I would be so happy. That's a great testimony mm-hmm. right there. Mm-hmm. And uh, who knows, Mon, maybe in a thousand years' time, uh, that will be all left of all that's left of your legacy. It wouldn't be such a bad thing. Are you saying like after the world ends? No, if the world was to continue. Yeah, <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool, I tend cool. to think that um, we might be forgotten about a week after we... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> a week later, like, yeah, there was these guys on Faith FM Radio. <laughs> Don't remember those guys. Okay, so uh, John chapter 1 verse... Uh, yeah, we read that one. Um, we find Andrew bringing his brother. Okay, so what we've got here is that um, obviously when Andrew comes to Christ, he begins by sharing with his family. Yes. And family is incredibly important as far as sharing the gospel our first our first missionary um, location is our family. Yeah, the first mission field. First mission field is our family. That's Very where backyard. we should start. Often the toughest That's mission true. field. Mm-hmm. Uh, particularly um, if you are reaching out to, you know, older siblings and parents, um, which is, I, I, I guess, you know, both of us have uh, older siblings and parents, um, but then, of course, for myself, I have you know my wife and my children, which is my primary mission field. That's my. It's almost like a target. You have these circles of influence, and my first circle of influence is my wife and my sons, and then it uh, you know goes to my broader family, um, you know my brother and uh, parents, and sort of spreads out from there. But um, often the hardest mission field, and um, Often one that we don't actually spend a lot of time in. Why do you think it is the hardest one? Yeah, I think what it is, one of the things that is, is when we talk about, when we want to point people to Christ and call people to a closer walk with God and a higher calling with God, our family is a little bit like who you to tell us. Yeah, we know you back to front. And we know all of your sins. Yeah. Yeah. But really the fact that they know us back to front and they know all of our weaknesses, it should make the the, the, the testimony more powerful. Because they should be able to see the difference. They should be able to see the difference. The before and after should be most clearer to them. Yeah. So, yeah. And that should really, really add to the power of that particular uh, testimony for Christ. Yes. Okay, so let's go back to Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 6. And we're going to go to verse 
6 and 7. Jeremiah chapter 6 verses 6 and 7 says, And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I am giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road, when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. Thank you. All right. So what we've got here is uh, an instruction to parents. What are parents instructed to do with uh, their families? To, to um, teach their kids about God and his commandments. How often? Every day. While they're doing what? They're everything. Everything? Yep. When they're on the road? Uh-huh. I'm going to spend a bit of time on the road over the next few days? Yes, you are. Looking forward to it. Mm-hmm. It's going to be good. You got your kids with you? Don't have any kids with me. No. Well, never Just mind then. the wife, myself, and the ute, and we're heading to the outback. You should take your dog. My dog would lose his brain. Yeah, he would. He would absolutely lose his brain on a trip like this. He would bark himself hoarse in the yeah. first day. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it would be just painful for him to bark. Mm-hmm. I know this because I've taken him on trips before. And then he would still try and then he would remind himself that it's painful and he would stop and then he would try again. And it would be that kind of cycle it's all day. Not, not very clever, is it? The problem is I would love to take my dog. The problem is I think some of the places we're going are not supposed to have dogs. And um, I don't really have anywhere to put him because yeah. he's an outside dog. Mm-hmm. He's not an inside dog, so I can't sort of sit him on the front seat. Between us. Yeah. He'd go um, mental. He'd go oh, spare. He would. You'd well, have to muzzle you him. Can, you know, and, and this is this is the this is the this is the problem. If if I could put him on the back of the ute, but I've got the canopy on the back of the ute with our bed in it, so I can't put him there because he'd get his muddy feet all over the bed. Yeah. So you can't you don't you're not taking anyone that you can teach the Ten Commandments to, basically. Just us. Just us. Yeah. Okay. And that's enough. That is. You know. Yeah. That, that's good that's good right there. Okay, we're going to talk about the story of Ruth in just a moment. Ruth and Naomi. Naomi, one of the greatest family family missionaries ever. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Okay, so the next passage we're going to is Ruth chapter 1. Ruth chapter 1, we're going to read a bit of a story here, which is one of the the most astounding stories in the entire Bible. We often don't think of it as being an astounding story, and that is because we look at it through our own eyes. Yes, true. Through our own culture, through our own experience, rather than placing ourselves in the experiences of the people that this was happening to. But Ruth was one of the greatest women of faith anywhere in the Bible, and Naomi was right there with her. Yeah, it, it, it's there's so many, like you just said, there's so many bits about this story that make you go, what? Yeah, like, all a, the way through. There are some very cool parts of this yeah. story. So some parts of this story I really, really like. It's one of my favorite stories to preach on, actually. It is a good one. But uh, can you read for us uh, verse 14 through 18, and then we're going to go back and we're going to talk about what it is that's actually taking place here. And chapter 1? Chapter 1. And again they wept together, and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye. But Ruth clung tightly to Naomi. Look, Naomi said to her, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. You should do the same. But Ruth replied, don't ask me to leave you and turn back. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. Wherever you die, I will die, and there I will be buried." May the Lord punish me severely if I allow anything but death to separate us. Mm, wow. There you go. Yep. All right. So Ruth, Orpa, and Naomi. Very, very strong statement by Ruth right there. Mm, very strong. I mean, she is emphatic. 
Yeah. She is done arguing. Mm-hmm. She's like, I'm going with you. Okay, so let's, um, let's give a bit of background to what it is that's actually taking place in this story. Here's what you have. Uh, uh, Naomi and her husband, Elimelech, have travelled to the land of Moab. And the reason that they have gone there is because there is a famine in uh, in Judah where they come from, and so they've they've they have immigrated. This is economic immigration, um, something that we're very familiar with in today's day and age. We we do that ourselves. We see they saw an opportunity, and so they seized it, mm-hmm. and off they went um, to Moab. And they set themselves up in Moab, and um, they raised their two sons, Marlon and and, and uh, Chilion, are uh, raised there in the country of Moab. And as they grow up in Moab, they meet these Moabite girls, and they marry these Moabite girls, Ruth and Orpah. And all seems well, and all seems happy. But it seems that uh, you know we don't know exactly what happened. But the uh, the men folk all fell sick. Maybe there was a um, an epidemic that went through. Um, it seems it's quite likely an epidemic of some description went through and killed all of the menfolk. It's very sad. So Naomi, Ruth, and Orpah are now widows. widows living in the land of Moab. And so Naomi's like, you know what? I really, I, I don't have my sons here anymore. I don't have any family here anymore. I don't have my husband here anymore. I'm going to go back to my old people. She's an older lady. And she's like, I'm just going to go back to my, my own people. And uh, and live with my own people and retire there, and of course she's returning with nothing. She's returning in abject poverty. Um, she's returning basically with what she can carry on her back. This is a long and a difficult journey. And when she gets back to um, to you know to her own people, to her own country, she has been reduced to being you know really an, an owner of nothing. She's at the bottom of the barrel. Yeah. And her two daughters-in-law. Would you catch that and think about it? Her two daughters-in-law decide, you know what? We're going to go with you. Mm. Now, that's pretty big. It's it's astounding. Even in today's society, Mm -hmm. it's pretty big for you to love your in-laws so much that you're like, you know what? You're traveling to the other side of the world and I really don't know anything about this place, but I'll go because I love you and I don't want to be separated from you and you are such an amazing person. It is incredible if you think that even just jokes about the in-laws, it's always about the tension between the two. It is. Yeah, it's nothing to do with loving your in-laws. Yeah. And this is the opposite. So this in and of itself tells you something incredibly powerful about Naomi and the influence, the spiritual influence that she'd had on these two girls. But then when we read down here in um, uh, verse 16, Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave you or to return from following after you. Where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. So Naomi was not just somebody who had won the affection of her daughters-in-law. She had led them to God. Yeah. And this was really at the foundation of why they're choosing to do what they choose to do. According to um, Jewish tradition, uh, these two girls were actually princesses. Oh, really? Mm. What? Yeah. That's just we don't know whether that's true or not, but mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. that's the uh, that's the, the the oral tradition that has been passed down in relationship to this particular family. Well, that even just speaks more about you know it does to God to, to abandon her princess wealth to be a pauper. Okay, you in got, a foreign land. You have to think about this. 
because the Bible describes Ruth as being a, a young girl. Mm. And, you know, it was typical in those days that people would marry in their teens. So she's probably a teenager. So she's a young girl. I want you to think about what she's giving up. She's giving up her, her homeland. You know, it's hard to move from your homeland. You know, it's an adventure to be gone for a while, but it's hard to move from your homeland and to move from your culture and to move from your people and never see them again. Yeah, because that's what we talked about the other day when we talked about Abraham leaving. It was pretty much a goodbye forever. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And uh, um, and so so that's, you know, we talk about Abraham. He's, he's spoken of as being a, a man of incredible faith because he left his homeland goodbye forever. Well, guess what? Ruth is just as much a person of faith as Abraham, every bit. Uh, but even more so because she gives up her family. Abraham took his family with him. Yes, right. That's tough. Mm. My wife is American, and I know how hard it is for her to live in this country when her family lives in that country, and this is an, in, in an era where we have FaceTime. Yeah, and 14-hour flights. And 14, that's right. Direct flights, yeah. Direct flights. Um. She had given up her livelihood. We know this because when she arrives in um, in Judah, she is reduced to being the a beggar. That's a, that's a long way See, down in for society. For a teenage girl, this is just mind blowing. Think about teenage girls these days are doing. Okay, think about this for a teenage girl. She has given up the hope of ever remarrying. Mm. And finding love, yeah, because the Jewish people, um, you know, we know that they did not associate with Gentiles, and she's going to a a country where she is going to be seen as a Gentile, an outsider, and somebody that nobody can touch, and nobody can marry, and nobody can even uh, eat with or come in under their roof. That's pretty full on. Yeah, if you think about all the teenage girls these days who just want to be princesses, this girl's gone from being a princess and saying, "Do you know what? I want to follow the one true God," even though this is what my life is going to be now. Uh, she has given up the opportunity to have children. And that's a big sacrifice, particularly in those days, yeah. where wow. that's your only old age security you have, mm-hmm. is having children. So she's given up social security. She has none, um, for either for herself um, or her mother-in-law. So she has also added to her life the burden of aged care. And aged care is not not easy. It's yeah, hard no. work. She's looking after Naomi. She's gone there to look after Naomi and to take care of Naomi. And what you find is that when she gets there, it is Ruth that is going out into the fields and Ruth who is trying to glean and gather whatever pieces of grain she can find here and there so that they can eke out some kind of living. So they can eat. Yeah. Yeah. I've never thought about it like, to this extent. Like, you know, the giving up of potentially remarrying, the giving up of having children, the giving up. Like, it's, I never, I've never thought about it to that extent. I knew that she was, like, giving up her family and, you know, and her religion and her comforts, but wow. Okay. She's given up her social network with no hope of ever replacing it. Oh, wow. Because, once again, she's going to a society that is a society that is exclusive towards Gentiles. Mm-hmm. And so <laughs> she's given up her possessions. She's walking. The only thing that you can do, the only thing you can take with you is what you can carry. And if you're going on a journey of that distance in those days on foot, the only thing you're going to carry is the clothes on your back and the food that you carry. That's it. That's all. That's all she has. 
Um, it's a journey where she's going to send uh, 4,500 feet into the bottom of the Jordan Valley and then ascend 3,750 feet back up the other side to get to um, where she is traveling to. She has given up so much. We're going to talk about a little about that a little bit more, um, but Mariah King, this is Home Here. Like a starry night Here the angels Love to stay and smile At the sight of the Home in the wooded Hills There is A child God has loaned them For a while A body built to Serve and God to glorify Another mind To train for battle King with Home Here. You're listening to Faith FM. Hey, Mon, give us another clue for our quiz. Nobody's, nobody's got this one yet. Yeah, no one's got this one. I don't know, it was hard. Um, okay, this, is the last, this is the last clue. This is super easy. Jesus said that before the rooster crowed, I would disown him three times. Who there you go. Who disowned mm. Jesus three times? 1-800-324-843 is the number. Give us a call on that particular number. Okay, we were talking about Ruth and what Ruth had given up. Mm. Okay, so let's continue. She has given up her religion. And that can be tough for somebody. Yeah. Because that's what you've grown up with and some of you have been through that experience of moving from one religion to another. Um, It's different than moving from one church to another. This is actually moving from one religion to another. Here's an important one, Mon. I want you to think about this. She has given up any kind of protection. So protection in those days was provided by the menfolk, mm-hmm. so the men of the household. So that would be, first of all, your husband, while well, a husband has died. Then <coughs> then it would fall to the responsibility of you know, um, your brothers, his brothers, um, your father, his father, your sons, your, you know, and, and, and cousins and so forth. 
um, it goes out to you know the broader family, and then it goes out to your tribe, and then it goes out to your nation. When you step outside of that nation as a single woman, you have actually stepped outside the circle of any kind of protection whatsoever at all. Mm-hmm. She is a young girl. She is a very pretty girl. She is, the Bible says that, and she is going to a country where, um, you know, you do not have even, you know, workplace laws in place about workplace harassment, any of that kind of thing. Um, that doesn't exist. And she is now going to be in a very vulnerable position. She is in a society where she is seen as an outsider. And to a certain extent, to the godless young woman, young men of that society, she would have been fair game. Yeah, yeah. And she has no one to protect her. Mm-hmm. That's big. She would have felt incredibly insecure. Yeah, people must have been telling her that she was crazy to do this. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but she does it because of her devotion to her mother-in-law and her devotion to her mother-in-law's God. And what an incredibly powerful story mm. um, comes out of all of this. Um, and so if you if you look at what happens here, because, okay, think about this. How much time we got? Okay. She arrives. After she arrives, she's out gleaning. Now, if you are unfamiliar with what gleaning is, beggars were allowed to go out into the fields after the fields had been harvest, harvested and they could collect anything that had fallen on the ground that they could find. Scraps, basically. Scraps. Mm-hmm. So you harvest the field, any grain that has fallen on the ground, you can go and, if you're a beggar, you can go and collect that. Well, she's out there gleaning and uh, in the field of a man by the name of Boaz. And Boaz is not there at the time, but he comes back later in the day and he suddenly sees a dark-skinned foreign girl gleaning in his fields. And he's like, who is this? Where did she come from? And uh, they say that's uh, that's Ruth, the Moabite girl. You know, she she turned up and she's gleaning because you know Naomi, her mother-in-law's, they've got no food. And he's like, he was super impressed, and he's a really really decent guy, mm. um, an older man, but a really decent guy. And he's and he goes to Ruth, and he's like, you know what? Don't glean in anyone else's field. Glean here. I'm going to tell the reapers to drop a couple of extra bits and pieces for you here and there, so that you do well. Um, he says. And I've commanded the young men that they will not hassle you. So he went round to the guy, the, the young guys is like, okay, no sexual harassment here in my fields. Mm. Not going to happen. Her. So she has landed on her feet. She has come under protection. At the end of the day, he gives her some extra grain as well. Mm. She then goes back home and she's got a whole lot more grain than Naomi was expecting that she would have been able to scrounge. And... Naomi asks, you know, what's going on here? And uh, it's like, well, there was this guy by the name of Boaz. At which point, Naomi starts to scheme mm-hmm. and comes and begins to be a bit of a matchmaker. The cogs start turning. The cogs start turning and, and Naomi's like, hmm, okay. There is, there is a plan here. And they had a legal system for taking care of widows in those days where widows would be you know, married off to somebody who was eligible within the family um, to take care of them. And, um, and this guy is, is eligible. He ticks all the boxes. And she's like, you know what, just glean in his field from now on. And she does. And at the end of the harvest, um, she matches these two up. And they get together and uh, they have an amazing relationship uh, live happily ever after. I don't think that's anywhere in the Bible, but um, they do live happily, and they have a son named Obed, who has a son named Jesse, who has a son named David. King David. 
King David. Mm-hmm. Now, here's what is interesting. Why was Boaz open-minded enough to show sympathy to a Gentile? And why was Boaz open-minded enough to actually marry an untouchable Gentile? I know the answer. Because you've heard me speak on this subject. No, but no. Like, I've read this myself. Yeah. Right. It's, do you want me to tell him? Do you yes. want to tell him? No, you, t- you tell us. It's because his mother was Rahab, the prostitute. Okay, his mother was a prostitute. She was an outcast. Mm. She was an untouchable. He knows what that is like. He has seen that. And not only was she a prostitute, but she was a Canaanite. Yeah, she was a Gentile as well. So he's mixed race. Mm. Okay, so he is going to have a very, very different view of society than what the other uh, Jewish people around him are going to have. Yeah, because he'll be watching his mother as he grew up. He's grew- going to be way more open-minded. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's, a, it's a lesson to us there to be open-minded and not to be exclusive and not to be judgmental about people and not to be just writing people off because of you know their race or their color or their background or the their birth or their mm-hmm. profession or anything, any of those kind of things because this is where Boaz is coming from. Which is also interesting because when you come down to King David a couple of generations later, um, he is mentioned more than any other individual in the Bible. He's the most famous individual in the Bible other than Jesus Christ or God. And the most uh, famous Jewish uh, hero of all time. And as it turns out, he was one quarter Gentile because he was related to both the Canaanites and the Moabites. Which is interesting because what you find is that David spends time living with the Canaanites when he's persecuted by Saul, and he sends his parents to the Moabites when he's persecuted by Saul. So basically, he goes to family. He's got family on both sides of the border. He goes to family. Now, he did go to war with these same nations on various occasions as well, but, you know, that was the way it was in those days. But he has family on both sides of the border, and he is able, when he is persecuted, to go to family um, in times of persecution. It's an incredible story, incredible family tree. All right, but here is the main point of the entire story. I want you to think about this. Mm -hmm. Jesus is a descendant of Ruth. We have the lineage of Jesus, and Jesus came, chose to come through this young girl who had received the witness of her mother-in-law. And when you witness to your family, you have no idea what is going to take place a thousand, two thousand years from now, and what effect that might have on the future. And how that, well, in this case, three thousand years later, we are still talking about Ruth. We are still recognizing Ruth as being one of the greatest heroes of the Bible. And, uh, yeah, so the, the so important for us to share with our family and particularly our children with every opportunity we get. It's absolutely true. Uh, give us a call, actually, if you, you have a great story to share about sharing the gospel with your family. We'd love to hear the family gospel stories. Our number here is 1-800-FAITH-FM. But for now, this is Andy McLeod with Bless the Little Children, and we'll be right back with the question of the day. Bye. 
Mon. Mm. Do you believe in miracles? Look, if God can change my life, I think I definitely believe in miracles. Okay, so the Hamilton Seventh-day Adventist Church is making a difference in its community. Oh yeah, how? Well, it's worshipping together, loving together, learning together, and above all, preparing for Jesus to return together. Ooh, that sounds good. When's all this happening? Bible studies start at 10 a.m., service at 11 a.m., and guess what that's followed by? Or is it this free lunch I keep hearing about? Absolutely. <laughs> well, please join us at the Hamilton Seventh-day Adventist Church. Our address is 105 Lindsay Street, Hamilton, New South Wales. Every Saturday morning where you will be welcomed with a smile. Are you looking for free, wholesome fun for the kids these school holidays? Maitland Church is having its winter break frog fun day again for six to nine-year-olds. What do you mean frog, Lyle? Is this a fun day for amphibians? No. Frog stands for fully relying on God. And this holiday's theme is dare to be different. Activities include songs, Bible stories, crafts and snacks. This is a one-day-only special event on Wednesday, the 10th of July, starting at 9am. To register your kids, call 0411 The address is 72 Brunswick Street, East Maitland. Kids, you are welcome to bring all your friends, but book now as spaces are limited. That number again, 0411. One one triple two seven six zero. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio.
Back to the breakfast show with Lyle and Mahan. We have to announce our wonderful latest winner. Congratulations to Corey from Coffs, Coffs Harbour, Corey from Coffs, for answering the uh, the quiz correctly. Oh, the prize, the prize. The, I can't even talk right now. For answering the breakfast quiz this morning. Congratulations, Corey. The answer, of course, was Peter. Peter was the Jew who was living like a Gentile. He was the person who said, may your money perish with you because he thought he could buy the gift of God. He was the main speaker of Pentecost. He walked on water and he was the one uh, that disowned Jesus before the rooster crowed three times. And so, Corey, we're going to be sending you a wonderful prize. I'm not even sure what the prize is, but I know it's going to be spectacular because we are letting the producers pick the prize today. And uh, they love to have a little opportunity to pick the prize out. Uh, but for now, it is time for question of the day. Uh, let me get my camera up so I can video you doing this, Lyle, so we get everything you say on camera so you can't get out of nothing. Unfortunately, that pays the... I was going to say, it's going to be just amazing be for uh, for um, our video today because I'm wearing a paisley tie. And a nice blue suit, but the collar is still messed up. No, that's the shirt. You need the collar of the jacket. There, there you go. Okay. There you go. All right. We all happy now? All straightened up. Good. All right. Lyle. Suited Lyle. Suited and booted and paisley tied Lyle. Uh, <laughs> question of the day today. Who is Cephas? Okay. So this is quite a complex question with a very simple answer. It's Peter. 
Cephas oh. is Peter in the Bible. Fancy that. But Peter seems to have a whole bunch of different names uh, when it comes to the Bible. So we have Peter, we have Petrus, we have Simon, we have Simeon, we have Cephas. They all refer to Peter, and we have to ask ourselves the question, why? Okay, so his first name, the first name that uh, that he was ever given um, and, and, and you know that he would have grown up with is the name Simon. And his name is Simon Bar-Jonah or Bar-Jonah. Uh, which means Simon, the son of Jonah or Jonah. So that refers to his father. Uh, Then, of course, in those days, the custom often was that when a person had a name that was, you know, uh, connected to a, you know, a famous, you know, Hebrew person from the past, you would have that person's name, but you'd also have the Greek-Roman equivalent of it. So you've got Simon and you've got Simeon. And so Peter is called Simon. He's also called Simeon. So we start to, uh, you know, to, to, to work. And he's also called Simon Bar-Jonah. He has a lot of nicknames. He has a lot of names. He has a lot of names. But then, of course, he has this other name, which we know him most by, which is Peter. Now, that comes from the word kepha in Aramaic. Um, or Kepa or Kepha in Syriac, in Syriac, um, which when um, turned into Latin becomes Cephas, which we do find in our Bible, in our English Bible on occasions. All right, so this uh, word Cephas, if you translate it into Greek, becomes Petrus, thus we have Peter, and it means a stone. Okay, so hopefully I didn't confuse you all with all the different names that Peter has and where they came from and how they came into being. One of the most important things about the name of Peter is the contrast that it creates. Okay, so the word Petrus means a rough pebble. This is interesting. It can also mean a polished jewel. So it has a dual meaning. It means a rough pebble or a pebble or a polished jewel. Was Peter a rough pebble or a polished jewel? Hey, he was a bit rough around the edges. He was definitely <laughs> a rough pebble, but under the influence of Jesus, he, he became mm-hmm. a polished jewel. And he talks about in First Peter chapter two and verse nine how that we have become polished jewels, precious possessions of Jesus Christ. So that was his experience, and he's sharing his own experience there. It also means a small stone, a sling stone, a fire stone, or a moving stone. So that's what the word Petrus means, or Cephas. Um, in contrast, you have another word in the Bible, which is Petra, which means a rocky range, a mountain of rock, or a cliff face. And if you want to find you know, big mountains of rock to get today, you simply go to the city of Petra. That's what it means. And Jesus contrasts himself with Peter uh, when Peter confesses that Jesus Christ is Lord. Peter says, upon this rock, this Petra, this statement that you have made that I am Lord. Uh, And throughout the Bible, Jesus is the rock and Peter is the pebble. The church is built on Jesus Christ. In 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 5, you find that Peter says, we are. As living stones, living pebbles, living rocks are built on the great rock, the Petra, which is Jesus Christ. So lots of things to learn from the name of Peter. If you have a question, give us a call. 1-800-FAITH-FM is our number.
gates and doors are barred and all the windows fastened down. I spent the night in sleeplessness and rose at every sound. Half in hopeless sorrow and half in fear the day would find the soldiers breaking through to drag us all away. And just before the sunrise I heard something at the wall. The gate began to rattle and the voice began to call. I hurried to the window, looked down into the street, expecting swords and torches and the sound of soldiers' feet. But there was no one there but Mary, so I went down to let her in. John stood there beside me as she told me where she'd been. She said they moved him in the night and none of us knows where the stone's been rolled away and now his body isn't there. So we both ran toward the garden, then John ran on ahead. We found the stone, an empty tomb, just the way that Mary said. But the winding sheet they wrapped him in was just an empty shell. And how would it take? was more than I could tell Oh, something strange had happened there Just what I did not know John believed a miracle But I just turned to go Circumstance and speculation Couldn't lift me very high Cause I'd seen them crucify him Then I saw him die Inside the house again The guilt and anguish came Everything I promised him Just added to my shame When at last it came to choices I denied I knew his name And even if he was alive It wouldn't be the same But suddenly The air was filled with a strange and sweet perfume Light that came from everywhere Drove shadows from the room And Jesus stood before me With his arms held open wide And I fell down on my knees And I just clung to him and cried Then he raised me to my feet And as I looked into his eyes the love was shining out from him like sunlight from the skies. Guilt in my confusion disappeared in sweet release. And every fear I'd ever had just melted into
That was Dolly Parton with He's Alive, speaking of Peter's experience here on Faith FM. We have come to the end of our show. We are about to give something away, and I believe this one has something to do with the story of Peter. Yeah, I decided we had such a Petery theme today. The the answer to today's quiz was Peter. The question of the day was about Peter. That song was all about um, the perspective of uh, Jesus' life from Peter. And so today's giveaway is The Acts of the Apostles uh, by E.G. White, and it covers in detail in an amazing story. Um, the Acts of the Apostles, basically, like the story of the disciples. Yeah, kind of half apostles. of this book is about Peter. Yeah, and half of this is basically about Peter. So this is incredible. If you are intrigued about what we've been saying today about Peter, uh, definitely give us a call now. Uh, this book is completely for free. You just have to be the first person to call through now. Our number is 1-800-FAITH-FM. It's 1-800-324-843. First person through can get a copy of this. Okay, fantastic book right there. Highly recommended to everybody. Acts of the Apostles, you'll have the life of Peter, you'll have the life of Paul, um, and also John and some of the other uh, apostles that are included in there as well. And the adventures they got up to and the story of the gospel going to the world. Something else we recommend is The Prophetic Code, which is a Bible study series written by Lyle himself. And uh, that is going to be available um, if also for free. You can do it in multiple ways. You can do the paper copy. You can do the online copy. You can do it in a small group setting. You can do it in a one-on-one setting. You just have to give us a call. We'll tell you how to get hold of that. And you can give us a call even while Lyle is not here, while he's away on leave, and uh, and do his Bible study course. I'm getting sad all of a sudden. Really? I'm just getting all excited. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Lyle, of course, is bidding us farewell gonna today. Happen. He's going to be gone for several weeks on his annual leave as he does a massive four-wheel drive adventure all around Australia and through the Red Centre. He's going to have a banger of a time. Uh, we, of course, will be thinking about him and keeping him I will join you whenever gone. I can. Yes. Okay, good. Call us up. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, farewell to Lyle for a little while and welcoming Lawson in tomorrow morning. But for now, you guys have a blessed day. We'll be back tomorrow morning. Say